What is up, everybody? Welcome to Culture FC, the weekly soccer show that's not really about soccer. We cover lifestyle, fashion, music, politics, all the things surrounding the beautiful game, just none of the results happening on the field. My name is Louie. I am joined here by Brendan and Aggie. And this week, we dove into some pretty interesting news topics that have come out over the last week. If you guys enjoyed this episode, it would actually mean the world to us if you could give us uh, subscribe, share with a friend, let them know about our podcast. We really just want to make ourselves better and we want to grow and we can't do that without your feedback and your help. So let us know what you think about the show. Tweet at us, share with a friend and yeah, just help us grow. It would mean the world to us. You can follow us on Instagram at Trouble Soccer as well as on Twitter and YouTube and Facebook all at Trouble Soccer. But yeah, short intro this week. Uh, let's just jump into the episode. It's a really fun one. bit of news i wanted to cover this week is chad ochocinco signs for boca raton fc yes so boca raton fc is a uh, lower division team out of well boca raton florida and uh chad johnson better known as mr ochocinco mr ochocinco that sounds silly i'm gonna say that again no say we'll take it mr ochocinco mr yeah. ochocinco <laughs> last played in the nfl in 2011 and actually that same year he had a four-day tryout with major league soccer sporting kansas city so I just thought this whole I story was about that. dope. He totally did do that. And what's weird is that like he's a pretty old dude. I'm I think he's like what like thirty eight maybe. He's got to be somewhere, yeah, something like that. He's got to be somewhere. He was over thirty when he retired, I'm sure. And so why is this big news for people who aren't really in the American football world? Is that Ocho Cinco was a like legit and like nfl yeah he's a star he's a star he he, like between playing for the bengals and then the pats like he made the pro bowl oh yeah he was absolutely awful with the pats but no he was a borderline (laughs) hall of famer with the bengals (laughs) um but he always loved soccer and i just thought Mm -hmm. it was really cool that like this dude the retires from the nfl was a baller in the nfl and then he goes you know what I'll go play this whole soccer thing. He, I'm pretty sure quite a few times, actually. He used to always take uh, field goal attempts in preseason with the Bengals. Like, they generally let him, like, yeah, go out there, go for it. Really? Yeah, he That's had a couple really a couple cool. field goal attempts. The, man, the man's got a nice feel, foot on him. It makes you feel a little bit better about him trying out. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's genuinely, he generally has a little bit of skill to him. And also, I just looked it up. He is 41 years old. Wow. I did not think he was over 40. So I tweeted about this on Trouble's Twitter account, um, which you can follow at Trouble Soccer. Uh, But I said, someone get me a link to where I can buy a Boca Raton FC jersey with Ocho Cinco on the back of it because I'm totally about buying one. So if you're listening out there and you know where I can possibly do that, send me a link. Someone help my guy out, all right? He needs a jersey. Just somebody help him. But, okay, so... What's the impact of this, if there is any? Like, I don't want to discuss this like it's a real serious topic or anything, but, like, I'm thinking this has to be cool for Boca Raton FC, right? Oh, absolutely. Any NFL fan, even also, like, also it's got to be cool for both parties involved. Yeah, especially with the fact that he is an NFL player playing for a team in the United States. You know, we talked about Usain Bolt a while ago playing in Australia. Doesn't make as big of an impact, I would think, as... Chad Ochocinco playing in the United States as a you know like a huge a pivotal guy in NFL you know yeah. like you hear the name Ochocinco you know who it is you know yeah you know damn well who he is and I think that's actually a major point because with Usain Bolt like yeah world renowned Olympian I think everyone at least knew of him yeah but it wasn't to the level of like 
people in America knew Ocho Cinco. Like, he was a household name. Like he, everyone knew his exploits. Like we said, he was a Pro Bowler, mm-hmm. superstar in the NFL. So I think that it, it, it just brings a lot of attention to the team. Like think about it. Like I don't think we would have ever spoken about Boca Raton FC on this podcast, and I'm sure no. other people wouldn't have even ever tweeted about this. So we wouldn't have even seen this had it not been the fact that he is making an impact. So. In a way, I think that's actually really cool. If you have a dude who used to be an NFL superstar now playing in the lower level yeah. league of American soccer, like it was funny when I looked up. I didn't know he's he's been like with them for a couple months now. I thought right. it was like a fresh new thing. No, he's been doing this. And it, I think that I saw someone tweet about it uh, as well, saying how people in America really don't pay attention to anything other than like the top divisions yeah. in terms of soccer. So like they're like, yeah, well, you would if you had even remotely been on Twitter looking at this, you would have known that he's been kind of with them for a while. Mm-hmm. But I'll say this. I follow I follow Tristan Go on Twitter. Man is hilarious. Dude eats a daily meal of McDonald's, pretty much. Does he really? Pretty much. He tweets about McDonald's and FIFA. That's about it. <laughs> well, we got one thing in common, Chad Ochocinco. <laughs> I wonder what he orders. I'd order what he gets. Oh, I wish I knew. But either way, I just think it's cool. Bring some attention to a, 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 a smaller team. Get them some more followers. Like I think it'll just be cool to see him turn up. Like They're going to have at least, like I don't know, a couple hundred people making their way to these games now. Oh, just yeah, to just see. to see him. I would love to mm-hmm. see it. Like If I were anywhere near a game... I would go out and watch it. Oh, same. Who do you think is a uh, better baller, him or Bolt? Ooh. Ooh. I don't know, yeah, man. Now we're asking the real so questions. I, <laughs> so I've, I've at least seen a video of Usain Bolt playing soccer. I don't know if I've ever seen Chad Ochoa. I saw a video play. of Usain Bolt, too. He looked like he was kind of just a pace merchant. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. I feel like he wouldn't have much of a touch or anything. He would just be like, let me run past everybody. Probably better touch than Lukaku. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> My wall has a better touch than Lukaku. Like, I could throw my ball as hard as I possibly want at a wall, and I think it'd be a better touch than Lukaku. My unborn child has a better touch than Lukaku. Ooh. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Moving along to other news in uh, <laughs> American soccer. This one's kind of funny and interesting. The New York Times actually published a piece about Robert Kraft's neglect for the New England Revolution. <laughs> so, we've, like... As New Englanders, we've known about this neglect for many, many oh, years. Yeah. It's been well spoken about. Mm-hmm. We have many episodes on this exact topic of this podcast and many episodes where I've ranted about the Revs on YouTube. So if you followed us for any length of time, you know about this. What's interesting is the fact that the New York Times, big time media outlet, you know, people actually take it seriously. It's reputable, are now making a now published a piece on Robert Kraft saying like, hey, buddy, why aren't you paying attention to a major league soccer team that you own. Um, and it was just very interesting to me to see that because I hope this puts some pressure on him to start giving a fuck. I don't know, dude, with all the, the courts and the stuff that he'll be <laughs> yeah. dealing with in the near future. Yeah, uh, why worry about a team when you can be down in Florida getting a rub and tug, right? <laughs> all right, fair enough. He seems like he might be a little bit busy at the moment between getting rub and tugs and also defending himself in court against rub and tugs. But, you know... Once this dies down, maybe he'll pay a little bit more attention. <laughs> yeah, maybe this will be the turning stone. You mean <laughs> less rub and tugs, more revs, guys. Imagine the Wikipedia entry for the revs in like 30 years if this is yeah. what the, the revolution is. They're like, hey, so for the first 20 years of your existence, you guys sucked and lost a bunch of MLS Cup finals in a row. So then what changed? Well, Robert Kraft was at a massage parlor in Florida getting rubbed down by a masseuse. And then he reflected on his life afterwards. It all changed with the 2019 rubbing tug. <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna link the I'm gonna link this article below. There's not much to talk about because there's nothing really new about it. If you like, I said we've I've exhausted this topic. I just thought it was very fascinating that the New York Times 
are writing about it. Yeah, so. like worry about your own team over there. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, you got yeah. some own problems that you got to deal with. Yeah. But I will say good on the New York Times for bringing up any kind of dirt that they have on Robert Kraft. Just anything that he's doing wrong. Like in the spotlight, you're doing this wrong too. You're soccer and rubbing tugs. Like there's no correlation. You know what? Let's bring it up because we're like, taking he's him in the down right now. Like we're going to get way more views. Like let's talk about soccer. Oh, yeah. No, but it's funny because they literally chronicle every point of history within the Revs over the last like five or six years. The amount of like the. The massive amount of failed attempts at getting a soccer-specific stadium, like the lack of investment, they cover it all. Uh, so I will say, if you are interested in, in why the revolution are super inadequate in what they do and why they suck <laughs> so bad, take a look at this article. It's pretty good. Moving along to more Major League Soccer news, to one of the most bizarre things that I have probably seen in quite a while. Uh, basically, the MLS and Adidas had a fashion show last week that they called Seams, where they quote-unquote reimagined mls jerseys they took a bunch of mls jerseys and just basically like cut and put them back together as if they were jackets and skirts and it was kind of weird kind um, of it was no it was really weird it was very <laughs> very weird um i actually retweeted someone his name is uh, pablo mauer uh he was literally talking about how surreal this whole thing was because he was sitting front row at this show and he said it was one of the strangest things ever i, I re- his Twitter thread was one of the funniest things I've seen in a while. It was genuinely hilarious. It was so funny. And it was like, if you want to check it out, head over to our uh, Twitter. You can find the thread there. I could sit here and describe pictures to you, but that seems a little weird. So, And it, just, it won't do it justice. You got to look for yourself, honestly. It is genuinely, like, if you want a good laugh, uh, just go check it out. It was really, really funny. Um, and, like, on one hand, it was great to see, like, the MLS trying to emulate, like, other sports or other fashion brands yeah, for integrate sure, for sure. with soccer like kith has done it and jordan clearly they've mm-hmm. been doing phenomenally with their psg yeah. collabs and everything but at the same time you know you should probably have more than just like hey remember those jerseys we made that people really didn't like six months ago why don't we take them cut them up and put them back together in different ways and maybe people will like it yeah like, honestly it was a great idea i'll give them that but awful execution awful I have to disagree with both of you. (laughs) (laughs) And why Uh, is that? Well, coming from a degree in fashion design and watching my fair share of runway shows, yes, it doesn't really get like the wow factor and like the this is like something I'd want to wear. In terms of runway fashion, some of the outfits, I'm not saying all of them, but some of the pieces that were made were constructed in a way that definitely takes the idea of soccer and plays on the name of the show and i thought that was kind of cool but in terms of doing like a real collaboration to make soccer look cooler this was not it this is a definitely like paris fashion week something like that but for mls like this does not fit like it doesn't it doesn't bode well for the general population who would benefit from seeing this that's a great point I didn't think about it too much from like an actual fashion point of view, but they do rip on some of like the popular trends that are going on, like like the elongated belts yeah. and like the the safety straps and shit like that. So like that's kind of played out. But some of the pieces were kind of cool. I I just think it's funny because like Adidas and the MLS kind of come under fire every once in a while about their jersey choices for the league, like. You know, for example, for the 2019 season, almost every single MLS club has a white 
identical away kit. It's like the same one for everybody. The only difference is the crest and like that's pretty in the sponsor, I guess. And so a lot of times it's like the, the reason that matters is because we've talked about it a lot on this show. Adidas has been killing Nike in the fashion soccer game across the world. Like every kit that Adidas makes over the last probably two years, even actually a little bit longer than that, has just been fire for most teams. And so essentially, you know what Adidas can do from a design standpoint. Why is it that we're that for the MLS, they try to like dumb down these designs? And I think Pablo Maurer, the guy that I retweeted, kind of said it best. Uh, one of his tweets that I actually laughed quite a bit about was, Here's an idea, Adidas slash MLS. If you want to be fashionable and make interesting design choices and be chic, relevant, whatever you want to say, do it in actual kits your players wear on the field. This is such a clown show, I can't stop laughing right now. And so I thought about that for quite a while where I was like, he's kind of got a point. Like, you know what I mean? Like, some of these kits are cool. Like, I personally, you know, two that I come to mind, and maybe they're not the craziest designs, but the new Timbers home kit is pretty cool, and Toronto's kind of all red kit for this year is really nice, but... You know, in terms of pushing the envelope, they're all safe choices that MLS and Adidas kind of make when it comes to the kits for the MLS. And it's just kind of sad because you I personally at least look at what Adidas has done over the last several years with a lot of clubs. And just like they've been making iconic kits for the future, like 20 years from now, people are going to be looking at the kits going, damn, Adidas killed it with that one. So then it's like if they have that kind of impact... Why can't they do that in the United States? And why does the why do Adidas and MLS need to like fake this whole fashion thing by trying to make this weird fashion show rather than being like, shit, Adidas, can we do like a real legit job here? Can we put together some more pieces? Can we maybe plan out this fashion show a little bit better? Like, let's do this for real rather than half-assing it and having a bunch of people make fun of us on their podcast. <laughs> yeah, you have a great point there. I mean, just just look at some of Europe's top clubs right now: Bayern Munich, um, Juve. Fortunately, man, you all <laughs> beautiful away kids, beautiful. Adidas clearly has the designs, clearly has the style on their side, but this they just got to let the MLS dip into that, really. And I feel like because Adidas has all of the MLS, it leaves no competition, so they can maybe do a little creative things on the home kits and stuff like that. But they have the contract away kit. There's not a lot of sales going on for both home and away jerseys, probably. So let's just give them all white jerseys. We'll save money on costs and everything like that. And that sucks. I'd love to see competition. Like I'd love to see like any other company get in here and battle them. And just why not just make it teams? You know, like that would be wicked cool. And then you'd see a lot of these distinct places in our country shown on these jerseys and i think that would create a better culture for jerseys at least i think you're 100 percent correct yeah, because I agree. for example new balance has been getting into soccer jerseys for ever since they bought warrior and then they ended up rebranding as new balance so they've done liverpool's kits for quite a while new balance is a boston company like literally like they had their headquarters is maybe i don't know 20 minutes from where we are yeah, right now yeah they could in theory move in design the new the the revs kits and be really cool maybe do some like I don't know, iconic Boston designs. Yeah. But in reality, what you're having is, uh, for example, FC Cincinnati just joined MLS. Adidas and the MLS didn't, quote unquote, have enough time to put together a, jer- a home jersey for them. The FC Cincinnati home kit for this year is a templated kit that I could buy if I had like a 12-year-old son and he had a U12 team. You could buy this from Adidas's website as a templated kit. And that is what professionals in the top league of American soccer are wearing as their iconic First MLS kit. A travesty, I say. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
but seriously, think about it. You're, it's your first season in the MLS. <laughs> you have probably some of the best home support before you ever even join the MLS, and yet you have to play with a substandard kit because MLS and Adidas are too lazy to give a shit? Yeah, you like... It- it's almost exactly they didn't have enough time or didn't see it coming. You, you knew they were coming in the league. The you knew years. when they were starting. Yeah. Exactly. You've known Cincinnati were coming. Yeah, you had plenty of time to make them a kid. You just you drop a ball. You got lazy. Someone fucked up. Big time. Absolutely. Big Someone, time. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Hey, you got that FC Cincinnati jersey done? <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. That was, that was, that was oh, next year. No. <laughs> Let me reach for this box and see what I can pull out. <laughs> Bang. Uh, and so, no, I think that actually does bring up a good point about the unfortunate monopoly that the MLS does in terms of deals like that. I don't know. Hopefully in the future they can open that up because that seems silly to me. But it sucks too because it's like Adidas, like we were just talking about, is such an amazing company and it's my favorite brand in terms of anything soccer. But yet when it comes to this entire aspect of their portfolio of work, they drop the ball big time. Lacking. Moving along to our main topic of the week and some pretty big international club soccer news. Gianni Infantino, the FIFA president, wants to introduce a fresh 2014 Club World Cup to start with a quote-unquote pilot edition in 2021. So for a while now, FIFA and Gianni Infantino himself have been making the Club World Cup a priority of his of something that they want to revamp. Currently, the Club World Cup runs every single year uh, in the month of December, and it takes the winner of each of the regional um, tournaments. So for example, the Champions League, the Copa Libertadores, the uh, the... CONCACAF Champions League, the Asian Champions League. Asian Champions League. They're yeah, all sure called. Right. Yeah. They're all boring and keep naming stuff the same. But anyway, basically, it's supposed to be where the best club teams in the world play each other to find out who is the best club team in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is very interesting about that is we've touched upon this when we talked about the Libertadores uh, in an episode way back when, and we talked about how South Americans view the Club World Cup as by far the most ultimate prize any club in the world can win. So, for example, Brazilian people are obsessed with Club World Cups. And whereas Europeans, they do not care because of, A, the timing. It's just not really the best competition. Mm -hmm. So, it kind of, that illustrates the lukewarmness that the world kind of receives the Club World Cup. Like, I feel like you wouldn't watch the games unless your team were in it, which is very different than, say, like the Champions League final or... Really, any other yeah, soccer game? Yeah, like I, I don't think I've watched a Club World Cup game since Chelsea lost to Corinthians in the in the final. It hurts to say, <laughs> right? And so, basically, they've always talked about wanting to revamp it. And so, his idea now is to get rid of actually the Confederations Cup, which runs the year before every mm-hmm. World Cup in the same host country, but get rid of that completely. And in that time slot, add a new twenty four team uh, Club World Cup, which would. Basically be pulling in, I think it said something along the lines of like eight teams from Europe, uh, three from North America, six from South America, and then so on and so on for the other teams until they get to 24. Um, And originally in a letter to UEFA and FIFA, the European Club Association, uh, which represents, I think, pretty much all the big clubs in Europe, they have uh, 232 members of, of that they represent. They said that all of their clubs are... Firmly against any approval of of a revised Club World Cup at this point in time, and confirmed that no ECA, which is the European mm. European Club Association, uh, clubs would take part to such a competition. And in the letter that they said all of this and sent to Gianni Infantino and FIFA, fifteen of their main clubs that they represent signed it as well specifically. So Manchester United signed it, Barcelona, Juventus, Ajax, and eleven of the other biggest clubs in the world all signed this letter saying we will not partake in it. <laughs> One would think that the FIFA president would not want to 
continue this process because he goes, ooh, if our biggest money makers aren't going to partake. Yeah, that's some big clubs you named that they didn't want no part of it. Right. How are you going to have a Club World Cup where the best teams in the in the world don't participate in it? Yeah. And so... That was like, what, like three or four big clubs and Man U you threw in there. Oh, man, you really had to go there, didn't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not going to let it pass. I meant more from like global appeal. Like, you know what I mean? People would, would tune in. It would be like having a World Cup without Brazil. It would be like having a World Cup without Italy. It'd be like having, like, but instead of one of these teams missing it, it would be like as if all, all of the of teams missing it. would be like, yeah. here, yeah. we're going to watch the qualifications for, like, the lowest teams. Pretty much. And so what is what was an even even bigger plot twist after that is that it was approved last week at the summit they had in Miami. So they are moving forward with this club revised club world cup without the consent of these teams who said they would not uh, take part in it. So now I'm assuming that FIFA is basically being like, Oh yeah, you don't want to partake. Well, we're still going to do this tournament anyway. And what they're saying is the participants will get $50 million just for participating. Okay, wow. And so, like, that's a lot of money if yeah. you're, you know, any kind of club. Okay, maybe not if you were Real Madrid, Manchester United, yeah, Ajax, Juventus, and Barca. Right, but, but think about but every other, like, every foreign club. Like, any club from South America would love that chunk of change. $50 million? That's absurd. Like, you, that's- you could run the entire Brazilian with that kind of money. Absolutely, and it would it would make a huge difference. So first off, though, what are you guys' first thoughts about this uh, this tournament? Do you are you for it? I know we haven't really dove too deep into the details, but general thoughts, first reactions, go. Uh, I mean, I'll say this: I didn't even watch the last Confederations Cup. I what Germany won it, right? I think. Yeah, I they remember. won it with, like their B team, and I I barely I maybe watched a game or two. I mean, something new in that in that time slot at that time of year might not be a bad thing. You got to try and get the other big clubs to change their tune and join in, but not a bad idea. I'll agree to that. Um, the timing would be tough. Scheduling yeah. would be tough. Yeah. Um, Especially like if you think about it, you know, let's say you're an English club, right? Your season starts in August. You're playing all the way until May. Now you have like two months off before this Club World Cup, but in reality, you really don't have two months off because you're going to give your players maybe a, I don't know, a couple weeks off mm-hmm. before they have to come back to train for this tournament if you're partaking in it. And then once the tournament's over, which will take like a month, then they get maybe another week off before preseason starts. So it's like it they are worried about the congestion of schedule. Um, but sorry to interrupt. Go, go, ahead, no, go ahead. I just wanted to illustrate the point of it would literally be like two full seasons in a row for, for a club team. Yeah. They wouldn't really have yeah. much time off. And like you said, too, with the whole of the ECA not wanting to take part, it takes away from a lot of uh, different playing styles that would bring like a lot more viewership to this whole tournament, and it makes it seem like it would be a heavily weighted different regions. It wouldn't be like a World Cup. It would be like oh, like we have everyone but like Europe is playing in this <laughs> in this tournament, and it takes away from like a lot of these teams that could really benefit, I would think, even if the big clubs wouldn't do it. Like the fact that they're part of the ECA, I'm sure it's like if, if like if some like low level team from the ECA wants to do it, like what are the repercussions? Like, no, you can't do it. Sorry. I think that's actually fair. Cause one thing that came to mind too was like, okay, let's say Manchester United, Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool say no. Right. Well, clearly they have to go to the next best team. Yeah. 
you might think Tottenham, right? And Tottenham, for those of you guys who 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 don't may not know, they're not exactly the richest club. They literally have not spent any money in two transfer windows. They are very frugal. They need money, right? So, in a way, it, I I don't think it would be a death sentence for the Club World Cup if some of the European clubs didn't join. Because let's say, for example, Tottenham looked at this and went, "Shit, fifty million, and I get to spread my brand across the world on a international stage. That's a win-win-win for Tottenham." You know what I mean? Like. Where I can see the difference is like the clubs we mentioned earlier, Barca, Juve, Man United, Real Madrid, they can look at it and go, damn, that's extra congestion. We don't really need the 50 million. Mm. We already have a global fan base. So there are two sides to that coin, right? Um, but what I what I do think is very interesting about the possibility of this Club World Cup is that I do think it's going to bring a lot more exposure globally for different clubs, right? So for example... Uh, I come from a background where I knew a lot about South American soccer being South American and I've known about the Libertadores for my entire life and watched these like what are massive, massive clubs of South America, which just don't get any attention anywhere else in the world. Right. And so what ha- what has happened with some uh, clubs in Brazil is that once they started playing in the in the current Club World Cup, people all around the world started following some of them. Right. Because they used to hold this tournament in Japan every once in a while. And so. People did start paying attention, and that helps. And we've seen how important it is when you have a global brand for your soccer club, you know, being Americans who all support English teams. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's super important. And so I think this will create a platform that will, if you if done correctly, like, you could explode your brand if you're a small club like Tottenham or, uh, you know, maybe even like, let's say, AC Milan, who haven't really been in the best uh, shape of late not that i think that they would qualify for this tournament but let's say by some miracle everyone else drops out and they go in ac milan could definitely use with the re-up in terms of international energy and international attention you know what i mean so and then i also think like okay maybe a club from if it's three clubs from north america i'm assuming it'd be two from mexico one from the states imagine like i don't know atlanta united or portland or seattle are playing in a club world cup where they are now playing in a game that actually matters against some of these European uh, giants rather than, you know, our regular friendlies that we host during, during the year. I think that'd be, that could be major. Oh, I agree. And imagine, imagine an MLS side getting drawn against a premier league side that drop. That'd break the internet. Yo, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the the viewership for a game like that would be, would be insane. I'd watch it. Absolutely. I don't care who it is. Give me a prime side and MLS side. I'm watching. Especially when the game matters rather than... Right, right. Especially when they're playing for something. And and Godfrey, the MLS side wins. That'd be huge. Absolutely. And then thinking of like logistics too, you know, like I know the ECA and all that, but if this were to go through and like the the ECA didn't work out and these big clubs had to participate, the clubs who didn't participate, you know, in the Premier League, it's not like, like you'd see Burnley in this club, in like this Club World Cup. So... Liverpool plays, they get their exposure in the preseason, but they have this club World Cup, and then it goes right into their season. Is that a leg up because they've already been playing as a team and they've already been exposed to like high level of play before the season even starts? I think, I don't know, that's hard to answer because I also think like, in a way, yes, because I guess your players would never have any time off, and so they would kind of hopefully be able to keep that same level. But you do have to wonder about injuries, right? Yeah, or like yeah. overworking your players. Like I said, that's that's almost two full years where your players yeah. wouldn't really have a break. Yeah. And not to mention, if you're a big club like that, your players are probably going to the World Cup that following year. So for them, that could even be a, a period of like three to four years where they're True. realistically not getting that much time yeah. off. And especially for an English side, like you get that that fixture congestion around Christmas. It, it'd be tough. You're, you're already adding to a congested fixture list. Like 
Yeah. It's a lot of games to play. Yeah. So, but shifting imagine. shifting gear slightly in terms of scheduling. So, one thing I wanted to touch upon with this topic is the fact that right now this tournament the Club World Cup runs every single year and so it in theory takes the best teams at that moment who had just won their international competitions, right? So, uh, you know, this this past year we had uh, River Plate and Real Madrid and teams that had literally just won their tournaments competing. In other words, these teams were at their, in theory, best when they're competing. Now, because this new Club World Cup is going to take place every four years, how does that dynamic shift now, right? Because I'm thinking of Real Madrid. They've won the Champions League for three years in a row. but up in, and, and yet this year, they are shambles. They are falling apart. How does that work? Does is that a negative in terms of this new system? Like, I'm just thinking, like, how would you pick a team? How what is the logistics of of who you pick and how does that affect it? Do you really end up having the best product or does that even matter anymore? I don't really know how to answer. Yeah, I want like, <laughs> to say yeah. Like, I want to say yeah. It obviously, doesn't matter, but at the same time, does it? All the exposure and everything, you kind of just want to get your brand out there, right? Yeah, but the idea is so that the game becomes the, the the games matter and that people start paying more attention to it. Right from a fan's point of view, that's what it is. But we know FIFA. They're we there do for know the money. FIFA. We do know FIFA. They want they the money. Are, yeah, this is they're trying to bring as many eyes to this as possible. Exactly. So as long as they're getting viewers, sponsors, and money, let's be honest. Do they really care the product they're putting out there? Do you think it would be a substandard po- uh, product, or do you think like it would end up being a very good tournament? I think at first it would be a pretty substandard. But yeah, I yeah. think as years go along and it becomes more cemented in to the infrastructure of like the calendar year and everything, I think they would have more attention brought to it. Okay. If it was like an entirely world based tournament, like I think some of these clubs it would be another big trophy by yeah. like thirty, forty years. I think you'd have to give it Maybe a couple you have to give it a couple tournaments to really get going. You you can't give up on it quickly, but I think they probably just have to have one successful tournament. I mean, maybe that yeah. takes no, two tries, right. but I think it all it would take is one successful tournament before all of a sudden everyone goes, "Damn, that was kind of late, y'all. Can we do that? Can we do that <clears> more yeah. often?" Like, I feel like it honestly is just a matter of like one successful tournament, and then people might go, "Shit, that's cool. That's we should a good do point. that." Let's be honest, as, as fans, you just any sort of anything, any extra games you can get, you'll take it if you really love the game. Yeah, true. And so, one thing that I, I wanted to compare with my earlier question is the Champions League currently. So. For the longest time, the European Cup was was kind of only played by people who won their league. So it was a much smaller tournament than it is today. I think that a comparable situation would be where when they expanded the European Cup to include, you know, second, third, and fourth place finishers of specific leagues around the world, some people say that the tournament got much better because all of a sudden it was several uh, play, uh, teams that could, in theory, win it who all had high quality of play. And so... In this theory, I guess my question maybe even is negated to an extent because, you know, okay, maybe you only maybe one team is on the decline after a couple of years, but you know, maybe this like for example, Manchester City. Uh, if you were to rewind ten years and try to this World Cup or Club World Cup, Man City would never even be near it. It's but true. they're on the rise currently, so it's like within a period of four years, if a team could start off okay and get better as it went along, like that would add to the level of play. Basically, what I'm trying to say is like I think that by having multiple teams from 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 specific regions, it'll almost negate the need of it needing to be the winner of that tournament to participate. Yeah, right. Am yeah. I, or is that am I crazy to think? No, that? I agree with you. 
I don't think you're crazy. I think it would it would just bring I think more exposure to those teams that may not win their league and it would get more attention maybe in their respective leagues as well. Yeah, it it opens the door to smaller teams like you said getting more exposure, getting more like popular. Like you said about watching the like these Brazilian teams and these southern South American teams that make it and play in these international tournaments, you know? And like then they have these international followers. Like we're all followers of international like from English teams. So maybe that would then maybe that would then transcend. Yeah, no, I think I think it'd be really cool. I just hope that they can kind of figure out that whole scheduling congestion congestion kind of thing because honestly, with there's so many tournaments that happen that I genuinely didn't think they were gonna even be able to do this at all uh without pissing off a lot of people. Apparently the only people pissed off are the Europeans, so we'll see how it goes, but I overall are, are are you guys excited about this? Is it something that interests you or do you think it's way too big of an overstep on FIFA's part to just kind of try to force this through? Oh, I'm definitely excited for it, you know what I mean? It's something new, it's something that you don't know what to expect from any big international tournament. Again, as a fan of the game, you're going to get excited for. Let's just hope that the product they put out is, is decent, is good. Yeah, I agree. I'm definitely excited for a new change and to be part of maybe a new tradition that goes down. It's like, yo, I remember watching the first International World Cup final and like now we're 20 years down the line. It's like such a big deal. Um, but I would like to see all the ECA clubs kind of get involved. Yeah, yeah. Because unless you don't include everyone and everyone's down for it, then it doesn't seem as genuine. Yeah, because then where are you going to pull the money from too to be giving these teams fifty million? Like, yeah, you, you could you could get a big ass TV contract by just having the names Manchester United, Real Madrid, Juve, Ajax, Barca signed onto it. Like, people will just give you money from TV, going, "Here you go, you're going to be doing that. They're going to be there. We want to be there too, filming." So, yeah. So I definitely think that the hopefully the ECA clubs go back on their on their their their, their stance of not uh, participating. Um, I just hope they do this correctly because I think you're right. I think it could become this massive, massive tournament because I just think about my feelings every four years when there's a World Cup on and how excited I am to watch a World Cup. And if I if you could give me that energy another summer right before, I would gladly take it. Yeah, good point. Especially with, especially with it being club teams. Let's be honest, the Club World Cup now, whoever wins the Champions League is going to win it 90% of the time. Pretty much. Unless you're Pretty Chelsea. Much. but all right guys i think that's a good uh point for us to stop uh for this week again very excited hopefully these european clubs can join us in this uh first endeavor of the new club world cup and i say us as if i'm gonna be there but i won't uh oh no he will you'll be there (laughs) uh all right, let us know what you think. Uh, are you excited for it? Are you for this tournament? Do you think it's a good idea? Do you think more more news actually needs to come out before you make your judgment? Let us know. Comment, let, leave us, send us a DM, tweet at us. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love the Twitter war with somebody, so come on. Just bring it. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps it up this week for Culture FC. Join us next week where we talk promotion relegation in Ooh. the United States. It's back. Or is it? It's not. It's not. But yeah, anyway, it should be a big one. So tune in next week where we dive into that.